0: Bonjour and welcome to this edition of In Bed with the Fitness Industry. It's an absolute pleasure to have uh, everyone come back in and join me. And our dear friend coming to us from Toronto, back in bed, he and I back in bed once again. Our friend Eric is joining us today, who is an award-winning, I was looking forward to saying that, an award-winning director of personal training at Good Life Fitness, um, focused on building the education for the teams that ensure phenomenal fitness experiences at Good Life across the country, really getting the best people in the industry to have access to the best platforms, um, and has developed an incredible concept to do that in such a multinational company that essentially goes from coast to coast here in Canada with Good Life Fitness. Welcome, Eric.
1: Thank you very much, Natalie. Thank you for the introduction. Um, That's been one of the best interests I've gotten so far, so I'll take it. (laughs) Am
0: I the first one that got to say award-winning?
1: You are. On a podcast, you are. are.
0: We'll keep that as a surprise to everybody. We'll get to that in just a sec, but uh, thank thank you for coming in bed, and let's talk about these boudoir situations that are so important to us. So you sleep in boxer briefs. That's your comfiness.
1: That's yeah, I I run hot. So it's one of those things that box Breeze is my go-to.
0: Yeah. And you have and you and I have very similar. I run hot too, but you and I have very similar bedtimes and awake times. So you're a 9 10 p.m. uh better and a 6 a.m. waker. Yes, that is how often or how regularly are you able to manage that in your schedule?
1: Um there might be two days when when I'm traveling, I might stay mm-hmm. up later. But otherwise, my alarm clock internally goes off at 5.30 in the morning, 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. I never set an alarm clock. Um, it, it's the decade plus as being a trainer. Um, having 30, 6 a.m. clients It's just ingrained in me.
0: <laughs> Very cool. That's that's nice. And I, I assume that somebody in the house will wake up at
1: some point. <laughs> even if you do miss that. If I, I need that alone time in the morning to get uh-huh. some stuff sort of done. So whether it's my cardio, reading 10 minutes, tackling that. So the little pitter patter feet starts at about seven, seven thirty. So yeah, it's important. Nice. Very cool. Um, so let's get right into
0: what it is that you do and how you work in our industry. I would love to know as somebody who was a trainer, um, what drove you towards a leadership position in fitness? What led you towards this type of career path that had you take on the leadership position at Good Life? <laughs>
1: Um the answer was the honest answer is I didn't aspire to it. Um hmm. when I came to industry I came in pretty well educated. So I had a phys ed life science degree, been coaching kids and athletes since age 15. And yet I was terrible at business. My first 3 months I did 43 consultations at Good Life and I closed zero agreements. I couldn't oh, wow. get a single member started properly, right? Hmm. So I thought of quitting at least 10 times. Hmm. When my business took off third month, all of a sudden my business took off because I started being more authentic and started applying motivation, interviewing, huh? Um, all that's around about to say is that I didn't want to become a fitness manager. I was on a nine month term of Eric, you're going back at teacher's college, just kill some time. And then the fitness manager left, like, and then all the trainers said, Eric has to be the fitness manager. So since then, I've kind of taken the role and I've had a bigger impact every step up further where I can help people avoid the mistakes because I've made a ton of them.
0: Interesting. I find it fascinating. And this, you know, from my perspective, you won't be surprised that the 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 biggest change had nothing to do with exercises themselves, had nothing to do, you know, what? I, in that three month period, like you said, you really started to shift towards behavior change or shift towards what really helped make people tick and mindset in these things. And that's what made the change as opposed to, I think the temptation, I don't know if you see this when trainers start out, is that they need to know more exercise. They really, really focus on program design. They think if they have the best combination of programs and program designs, that's what's going to get them more clients. Um, When really we know relationship building and interpersonal skills are key more than anything else. I find that really interesting. Do you notice that too?
1: A hundred percent. Like I don't mm. need to know four different ways to fire someone's VMO in order <laughs> to get them to invest in training and, buy, and to get them to really say they want to change their life, mm. right? So it's with a trainer in their careers, a lot of them gravitate towards that because it's it's an easy way to create confidence. I become this person who knows more than you do. Mm. And that's a that's a model that I'm hoping we're going to shift. I know we're mm. going to have to. So I'm hoping to make that shift of, I'm here to be, you're the hero in the story, to quote my my good friends, Jason Jones, is actually the client. Mm. He has to stop being the trainer. So the more I get into motivation interviewing, behavior change models, the more I can help uplift people and guide them through their journey.
0: Mm.
1: I love that. Thank you for sharing that.
0: You are incredibly focused on learning and growth. Um, It's actually a big part of your reputation. It's one of the things I admire about you because you stimulate that in yourself and your team so much. Are you finding that especially now in the tough labor market that we've got in the fitness industry, that it helps recruit, retain, and engage personal trainers? Is that a big part of the opportunities and partnerships that you bring into good life?
1: Well, I view my job as I have to help guide individuals into turning a job into a career. So what I've noticed is that we started to market it, but it hasn't had a major, made a huge impact. At Good Life, we hire 100 trainers or so a month. That's just part mm. of our volume being as big as we are. Right. That number hasn't changed dramatically. Um, what has changed is the in the clubs where there's a sense of growth, community, knowledge base, connection. That's been a major factor in retaining and creating a career path mm. for our trainers. So when I look at... The trainers who have stuck with good life through the pandemic, the ones that have a clear career path of, I want to be a top level trainer. I want to move into management, or I want to be an educator. Those are the ones that are the most engaged in the roles. And also when they have that team community or for a team again, with their fitness managers, where they are learning as a group, mm. that's a so little special and massive because um, in our industry, we strive for that sense of community. We strive for that third home for our clients. We need that as well. That workplace, that community is massive. Mm.
0: It's interesting. You talk about that you, and you talk about the importance of the the fitness manager. So the, the, the personal training manager, the fitness manager, the head trainer, et cetera, or however we would call them in different clubs. I find, and I mean, somebody who's Been an educator my entire career. I find we've really broken all the rules around learning and education during the pandemic. And it was a good thing because I don't know about you, there's times where I need, you know, I did my 200 hour yoga teacher training, but I also have two hour conversations with people sometimes. And I feel like I learned just as much from that as I would from sometimes a book or a seminar or a webinar or, you know, education kind of comes to you in different mediums at different times. And sometimes just like you said, like that coaching relationship you have with a manager can be just as powerful as a two-day workshop. I don't know. Do you see it being varied? How, like how do you see people in um, digesting content, learning, et cetera, right now?
1: What I find is that our attention span has gotten shorter and shorter and shorter. Hmm. Um, these things are a blessing and a curse. We know that. <laughs> they right? Technology, yeah. So the attention span whether it's a webinar, whether it's a live course, mm. whereas so how long can someone retain, how much attention can you pay and how many things can you truly take action on? Mm. I go to a conference, I go to a three-day course. The research shows only 30% of what's taught is applied. Mm. It's retained and applied, right? So you're right. Having a drip method, having more touches at a more frequent rate is actually a better way for information to be applied Um, One of my good friends, Kevin Darby talks about, it's not just acquiring knowledge, it's applying knowledge. Mm, mm. So having a a mentor, like I know you do mentorships as well. So having a mentor can really make a difference and help you drip that your, your action plan in place. That's massive. Mm. so Yeah.
0: And it's the difference between, again, learning and strategizing and implementing and actually engaging and, and having somebody around you, having the support. And I think it's it's lonely for solo entrepreneurs sometimes to, that that don't necessarily have that colleague or that mentor or somebody there to help them. and But we are in, this, in an industry where I find, if you will just ask, a ton of people will help to mentor one another. And it's not necessarily more experience. Sometimes it's just something different. And I feel like we've been so collaborative that... I've never asked somebody to mentor me and they said no (laughs) in some way, shape or form, right? Just some sort of a conversation. And you're one of those people that I love engaging with and, and having those conversations on the panels and things that we've worked with. So um, please know that one of the reasons this works really well at good life is because there's incredible leaders like yourself, making sure that it's consistent and making sure that it's ingrained into the day-to-day work and not just on paper. So um, that's something I hope you, I hope you
1: realize, Eric it was one of my aha moments was i had eight people present at the conference this year at for pro conference mm. um, to see them develop their careers and grow to that point where they're now presenting and having that ability to impact the industry because they put mm. in the 10 12 years of time and really master the craft mm. that's one of the most cool things we can do
0: that's really cool thank you for sharing that congratulations on that as we're looking into What's happening in the industry now? So whether it's, you know, training platforms, whether it's education, whether it's the learning, what you see coming in, because like you said, if you guys are hiring at the scale that you have a 100 trainers a month, what trends do you see being sustainable, having that staying power, really making a difference. Which ones do you believe in the trends that we're seeing now have longevity, therefore would probably be a good investment of time and money to get curious and maybe learn more about?
1: Loaded question. Uh, that's like a three hour conversation there. Uh, <laughs> give, me, so, give, me, give me two or three, give me two or three. Yeah, let's go. Um, one, I believe that a hybrid training model is gonna stick having mm-hmm. the ability to do online coaching with in-person the brick and mortar plus the online coaching mm-hmm. is going to stick around virtual has died off mm-hmm. it has mm-hmm. not become as not been as important um from our perspective we don't see it projecting well um because people crave that in-person experience mm-hmm. right um the other component is that i see a shift in the industry where Assessments become less of a priority. Hmm. Physical so, assessments. Physical assessments. Hmm. So right now we're at, we're we're realizing that there's something called the placebo effect, where the more you get you typecast someone into, okay, you have a kyphosis, lordosis, hmm. it becomes a syndrome, and they become attached to it, and it, it hmm. tends to hold them back. So hmm. the more we get involved into assessments where we empower people, we really really focus on. Nick Winkleman's work language of coaching or other stuff where we're really helping uplift clients as part of their assessments. Right. Those are the trainers that are going to have the highest renewal rates and the highest um, we call it efficiency or company, the highest service ratios of my mm-hmm. clients prescribed three times a week. They actually execute that three times a week. Wow. So that's um, a trend that I I'm starting to see pick up in certain that I think will really help make a difference on our renewal rates.
0: So is it more, is it like people are less um, inclined to want to hear about what's wrong and more inclined to want to hear about the potential? Is that like, where do you see that shift in the assessments being less uh, prominent or being less powerful?
1: Um, One of my good friends, Jason Jones, put it really well is that part of our jobs as trainers is to let the client truly be the hero of the story. Mm. It's not to let the trainer, and sometimes I want to feel like a hero. That's a long-term play. That's the mm. celebration of when we achieve these goals. I get to feel like I I contributed. I was a mentor, a guide. For the client is when they're doing assessment. I may take notes. For example, your knee may fall valgus. Your big toe may be elevating. There's things I'm watching for that I can mm-hmm. help program for. Mm. But when I'm when we're evaluating, it's take a look at. The, I'm gonna video it to show it to the client. What do you see going really well? What's when, How 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 happy are you with how you perform this? getting them to grade themselves Mm. is a, will help empower them more.
0: Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Well, thank you for sharing that, Eric. Um, You had, uh, and you and I talked a little bit about the concept of wellness and concept of incorporating mental wellness and, and more of more holistic view of fitness. Do you see that continuing on? Do you see that being represented in a company like good life fitness?
1: Yeah, it it has to be. Um, We did about 10 years ago, we created the four pillars of health, your stress, your sleep, your exercise, your nutrition, and that's been ingrained into our company culture. Mm -hmm. Execution on habits coaching is something we always have to improve on. No one's figured it out yet in the industry, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we have to get better at that. Um, And it's, it's realizing that we make mistakes. I went through the fad where hit training only don't do steady state cardio. (laughs) <laughs> I think we all went there, right I did the whole like paleo and elimination diets that were very aggressive
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's now where we have to shift is that we have to meet our members where they are our clients where they are in mm-hmm. treat yeah. general population so yeah I 100% agreements Natalie it's got to go that way
0: it's interesting because at the same time that you say that I'm also seeing I mean the extreme still exists. so right now I feel like the extremes in fitness are kind of, I mean, the extremes of like everything is mobility um, and really mobility is training and rehab is training. And if you're unless you can be mobile and we're, unless you're training for real life versus training for, you know, functional versus dysfunctional, like all of that. I see that a little bit. And then in food, it feels like, um, we're. Tr- I'm. I notice a significant extremes when it comes to carnivores and vegans, and it's getting way, way. Again, it feels like we're being pulled and polarized, which I think has a lot to do with in society. Things are being polarized a lot. Um, But I like the idea of just no matter what's happening and what's trending or where we get pulled in extremes, really, it's about what the client needs and what's accessible to them. That's not just a solution, but rather a a change in what they need, where they're at. So I appreciate that you're sharing that.
1: Some old studies show that 70% of the world does not enjoy working out. Right. So our first task is just getting them into the habit Mm. Um, joining us and enjoying one of the best drugs in the world <laughs> fitness right it is addictive and you can't stop once you start it you can't stop it great but they have to get addicted on it so like you said we have to meet them where they are be client-centric and the best plan is the plan they're going to stick with mm. 100 so. thank you thank you i appreciate that
0: you, and we talked about a bit, a little bit at the beginning, so congratulations on winning uh, CanFit Pro's Fitness Professional of the Year for personal training. That is a, a phenomenal award, and I had the pleasure of watching you win that award and to hearing, hearing what you had to say there. What does it mean to you? You know, there's, there's different ways of seeing recognition and seeing awards and seeing the validation of that, but I'd love to know for you what that award means
1: email it perfectly. There's different ways of viewing it, right? Um, I've been in the industry for 17 plus years. So first off, the testament of the work that I put in with my mm-hmm. team and with the trainers and the focus of putting in the grind, this is the first time I've applied for this award ever. Um, I I was not going to apply. I got convinced to by Steph Dupie, Michelle Caldwell, Eric, you have to apply for the work you've done in the past few years. Um, for me, I applied because it's a testament to the great team i have a good life who've put in some hard blood sweat and tears into recovering well from the pandemic and trying to change their models of thought to be more like i said inclusive caring and meet members where they are so i'm really proud of the external course providers we've worked with internal educators we've developed and that's really a testament as to why i believe mm. i've had that impact the other big change was that i got i worked with during the pandemic i worked with beth yarzab and barb and we remodeled the the manual so that was a major step for me is that if we can impact our canfit pro pts manual if we can impact the delivery that we can really impact thousands of trainers Mm.
0: you also had and i'll share this just because i had the pleasure of watching the video um from your nomination but you also had an impact at home from the Next generation and the last generation. Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So during the pandemic, um, I think we talked about previously offline, but I wasn't dealing well. In the first six months, I was not a good person. My wife told me, Eric, pretend you're at work, go in your office, go work because you're not a happy person. Mm. Um, so I built a home gym because the gym, it's not my therapy, but, but it's my outlet. It is a major outlet for me. So having that outlet at home, I've never worked out at home. So having my son actually pick up workouts, that was massive because he's trained before, but he got into a really solid three times a week routine. How old is your son? He's 16 now.
0: Nice. And
1: after the first year, my parents got convinced to come in on Saturdays to work out. out. And he started training. Dad, can I come in and train them? (laughs) <laughs> and he just went to the conference this past uh, year because he's like, okay, this may be a path I want to explore. At the very least, I want to know how to train myself and your parents even better. So that very was cool. Really cool. Yeah.
0: That's very cool. I love knowing that again, we, we build things around us and, and we, that's part of the resiliency is and if you can't, take care of your own self it just becomes really overwhelming to have to continue to serve others um, so I love how you started by doing that and and uh, props to your wife for that suggestion but I love that you started d- doing that for yourself and then once you did it for yourself then you focused on the most loved ones the closest loved ones that you have and your son and your your family and then your parents um, and it's just it's a place for us to reconnect with integrity in really really stressful times so I, I appreciate you sharing that story because i do think it's important for us to remember that we just tend to want to make sure everybody else is okay but um self-care is is really where it starts for us so in in whichever way that that's relevant so thank you for sharing that eric
1: i really appreciate it. yeah it is putting that uh, that me time first is, mm. a, is a massive opportunity
0: mm. So tell me, uh, as, as we close off today, I would love to know. I mean, there's a lot of changes, a lot happening. There's a lot of exciting things and some frustrating things that are going on. Again, because your perspective is one that looks across all of Canada. Um, what are you seeing in the coming months that you are grateful for in our industry? What inspires you?
1: What I'm grateful for is that, first off, is that members are coming back in droves. So there is a, there is a, it happened since February for us, really in Canada, right? Okay. Been a huge demand of people wanting to come back to the gyms. Um, community live experiences are still massively important. Mm-hmm. There were many talks in 2020 about the gym environment's dead. It's never going to come back. We need to move on. And that's been one of the biggest myths that we're helping dispel.
0: Mm.
1: Um, I'm ins- I'm grateful for, we talked about, um, mentorships I still am a biggest, a huge believer in live courses they create community they create shared experiences they create connections mm-hmm. where you can offline connect with other trainers mm-hmm. it's the learning that happens not just from the presenter from within the room that's so special mm-hmm. so I'm so excited to have more and more of these live experiences coming back all across the country we just signed a few partnerships I can't announce yet but I'm really excited to launch in the next few weeks so there's mm. a
0: lot oh. happening. Oh ho happening. Oh, oh. <laughs> we'll definitely keep an eye out for that. Thank you so much, Eric. I really appreciate, uh, I know you've got a very, very full schedule, but I appreciate you taking the time and I appreciate what you're doing for the phenomenal teams over um, at Good Life. And again, congratulations on that award. Um, and I look forward to seeing you again in person or virtually and keeping up with all those
1: new announcements you guys have going on. Thank you so much for what you do for the industry, Ali. I really appreciate it. And for having me on, it's been a pleasure. It's my pleasure. Au revoir.